and welcome to Dawson's Critique. I'm Erin Hensley. And I'm Julia Callahan, and we are two former college roommates and current BFFs who have loved Dawson's Creek since episode one first aired on the WB all those years ago. Join us for this spoiler-free podcast as we break down one episode every week. We'll reminisce about our memories of the show and tell you stories of how Dawson's Creek defined our generation. Today we discuss season five, episode seven, text, lies, and videotape. What's funny, so obviously a reference to Steven Soderbergh's Mm -hmm. debut, um, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Mm -hmm. Great movie, if people haven't seen it. Um, It's funny because is this like the last time that text didn't refer to text messaging? I actually was just thinking that as I said it aloud. I was like, text? They don't text message in this. And I was like, "Uh, yes, text text. that Joey's reading. Uh Got it, got uh it, got uh it, got uh it. Okay, written by Karen Lewicki, who, according to IMDb, started as Winnie Holtzman's assistant oh, on Once and wow. Again. Oh, cool. And also wrote for Cold Case. This is her only Dawson's Creek credit. Uh, directed by Marita Grabiak, lady. Cool, cool. A, a lady director, we'll take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, who directed episodes of Buffy, Angel, One Tree Hill, Bones, Dollhouse. Oh, wow. 911, most recently, mm-hmm. among many others. Um, this originally aired on November 21st, 2001. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, description from Wikipedia. Jen helps Dawson go to the grief counselor he ran away from the week before. Dawson finds the idea of sharing his thoughts with a complete stranger uncomfortable, but he is surprised at how much he learns from it. Back in Capeside, Dawson and Gail run into problems handling Mitch's will. He never set, signed an updated version that includes Lily. Meanwhile, Joey helps Professor Wilder's handpicked team sift through Rose Lazar's letters. They are frank and detailed, leading to the hypothesis that Lazar had a secret lesbian lover. (laughs) Joey, with the help of Audrey's audition tape for a fictional season of the real world set in Ibiza, realizes that the letters were Lazar's diary entries writing to herself. Pacey confronts Karen about the risk she is taking by having an affair with Danny. His point is underlined when Danny's wife shows up unannounced at a party hosted by the restaurant and Danny must abandon Karen to keep up appearances. Okay, this thing says Danny's wife, Elizabeth. I edited that out because her name is Emily. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. I... (laughs) Sorry. Um, Okay, my history's mysteries. I couldn't find a ton of history, so these are a little weird. Mm -hmm. Okay, November 22nd, 2001. Mary Kay Ash of Mary Kay Cosmetics dies. Oh, wow. November 22nd, also 2001. Opening arguments were made in a trial of Stephen Sondheim Mm. versus Scott Rudin, Mm. where Sondheim sued Rudin for claiming falsely that the rights to the play called gold exclamation point mm-hmm. were Rudin's that that he owned them he did not hmm. Sondheim claimed that Rudin hated the play and was trying to sabotage the musical that Sondheim had written based on it mm. and just to our listeners if you're Rudin's not familiar trash. with Scott Rudin um Absolute much like trash. Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. he is responsible for basically every movie you've ever loved and also is a dick bag oh yeah yeah um a well-known asshole <laughs> yeah so I have a little personal story, which is that I used to work at Paramount Pictures mm-hmm. and um, he had he worked had offices. He there. had offices yeah. there. Um, I worked nowhere near him ever and never met him. Mm-hmm. But I used to hear these wild ass yeah. stories like, 
like you would hear that like his assistants knew how long his keyboard cord was so Mm -hmm. when he threw it at them they didn't get hit by it Mm -hmm. and literally when i was reading those articles that came out like a few months ago like it's verbatim it's the same stories i was like oh yeah those are true i Mm -hmm. know it's so dark that everyone knew these things um also he produced my favorite movie of all time and yeah he produced clueless really oh yeah oh my god and um just stay tuned for season six where we are going to talk about that stuff (laughs) (laughs) um november 26 2001 the same week that china joined the world trade organization vowing to respect copyrights and patents pirated copies of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone were widely available for a (laughs) dollar twenty um number one movie is still harry potter and the sorcerer's stone Mm -hmm. number one song is again family affair by mary j blige um at number 37 we have the banger whenever wherever shakira debuting at number 62 Mm -hmm. is alan jackson's hit song which was about 9-11 it's called where were you when the world stopped turning and I just want to say that I have specifically left all of the country music basically off of our discussions because um, it was, I don't know if people remember, maybe you're too young, I don't know. It was disgusting in its patriotism. And by, by that, I mean that like the sentiments behind the songs were truly gross. And so this one, I felt like honored what happened without being racist. Yeah, like, yeah, without that Toby Keith, like. Will yeah, stick yeah. a boot in your ass because it's the American way. Right. Um, it's just like a song about how September 11th shook us. Right. Basically. Hmm. Um, and it's like an elegy to like the the way we lived mm-hmm. that we lost. Mm. And so. Um, Where are those good. songs now? Which ones? Just <laughs> remembering about how we used to live. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready. I know. I'm ready for those. Yeah. I know. Um, okay, debuting at number 72, Janet Jackson's song called Son of a Gun, parentheses, I Bet You Think This Song Is About You, which uses a sample of Harley Simon's You're So Vain, right. and features Missy Misdemeanor Elliot and P. Diddy, and yeah. honestly, I had never heard this know, song before, and it's great. Amazing. I, it's, yeah. And then um, finally re-entering the charts at number 99 is a song called Castles in the Sky mm-hmm. by Ivan Vandal featuring Marsha, which is notable because it's a trance track. Oh, cool. Which, like, really aren't on the Billboard yeah, Hot yeah. 100 almost uh-huh. ever. And, like, we were definitely in the middle of, like, trance. Yeah, <laughs> totally. As a genre. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Being a big thing. Yeah. So. We're like, I just need to check out. Yep. Right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um... Do you want to talk about the Patreon for a second? Or do you want oh, to yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we launched our Patreon. Uh, so it's available now. Um, Patreon.com slash Dawson's Critique. Uh, we have a few interviews that are one's coming out, one a bunch that are in the works. Mm-hmm. Notably, we just got another cold email from Tom Kapanos, which like <laughs> kind of shook me to my core. So I was yeah. like, oh God, have I said anything bad? <laughs> but I know. We're trying to work out another one or get an interview about that. And we'll probably put all those on Patreon and then at some point put them on yeah. our feed for free. But um, you know, you'll get to see those first on on Patreon. 
And we're going to do, we talked about it previously, but we're going to do a monthly movie club where Mm -hmm. we vote on which movies of our, like, you know, what's Katie Holmes in and stuff like that. Yeah. And we'll do, like, a little podcast where we talk about it and discuss it and just, like, goof off or whatever. Um, So, yeah, join us over there. We don't know what we're doing, so we're going to all be in it (laughs) together. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a whole new interface and thing to learn, but Mm -hmm. we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, we're excited and it's been fun to like also imagine like what other stuff we could do like in addition you know just like even when we do some interviews and stuff and we're hoping to get some of the other um Dawson's Creek universe podcast people mm-hmm. on and like talk to them about what it means to them and stuff like that so it'll just be like more fun hangs over there yeah so totally we hope you can join us all the um levels give you the same thing so it's just like kind of choose what you want to pay yeah situation um because that's i don't know what we're doing (laughs) yeah because we're not together enough to like do the you know (laughs) mailings that other people do and stuff like that like right yeah we um so yeah we're excited to do that and and excited to bring you some extra content there and some of you had expressed that you would like to to Mm -hmm. you know give us a little money to do what we're doing and that's awesome and we really appreciate that and as we've said before our goal is to get back into the studio at some point um and that's kind of what we're gonna save that money for Mm -hmm. um is for possible studio time even if it's just like the last couple the last few episodes of the series (laughs) um you know we would like to be able to just um to jump in there and and get to do that with andrew again and have me not have to spend 15 minutes worrying about sound at the beginning and end of all this totally recordings yeah yeah (laughs) um so yeah we're excited so we hope to see you over there um so it should be fun Totally. I also just want to really acknowledge that like it's been a rough week for America's women. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, it's been a rough week in America, mm-hmm. but but America's people with uteruses um, mm-hmm. and people who you know um, can get pregnant and do, have gotten pregnant and I have know. either seen that through or ended those pregnancies. Like I think it's been a rough week, and I just want to acknowledge that and say that like you know if you're someone who's scared and struggling right now like we are too Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't know that I have any like words of hope or anything right now but um but it's hard and it's dark and you get to you can you know you get to feel that and and um yeah I'm sorry that this country has failed us so immensely um yeah, we without have. a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Just seeing a minority role, like complete takeover. It's hard not to feel like we're in a dystopian novel. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this is like literally like red clocks. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I mean, what I always do in the way where I find strength and hope is to look to black women who mm-hmm. lead these movements and who, um, you know, whose um, people of color, black women, you know, black people are the people that bear the brunt of a lot of this stuff and watching them and taking their lead Mm -hmm. and hearing their messages of being scared and also being hopeful. Those are the things that get me through. Maybe, you know, I, I follow a lot of black Twitter and that really like those conversations happening there as sometimes hard as they are to hear are really do, um, help guide where, where I would like to go. So yeah, if that works for you too, then I, I, I'm glad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. I totally agree. So. Okay, that said, um, let us talk 
This episode's great. So, drama. I know. This is such a good episode because not at one time do we have to hear Dawson and Joey. I, I mean, 100% agreed. I was like, this is a really, like, I am, this is a solid app. I know. Like, I'm here for this app. I totally agree. At yeah. the end, I was like, damn, that was good. And that I was, was a like, fun time. Yeah. I was like, amazing. You know why? Because never, nothing even had to, like, slightly come back. Exactly. I thought, like, we'll talk at the one point where I was like, is this about Dawson and Joey? Totally. But I don't think it was. Okay. So uh, I'm interested to hear it. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll get to that. But this okay. is episode's great. So, just sit on back. We're gonna have a good ride over yeah, here. Yeah, we're 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 into so it. We're gonna have a little bit of time not thinking about the total dumpster fire we're living in. So, yeah. <laughs> so here we go. Um, we open outside Dawson's therapist's office. Oh my god! With Dawson and Jen hanging out on a bench, just shooting the shit. Yeah, drinking coffee. I love it. I loved it too. Yeah, and and like he he's like you know Jen, you know like you don't have to stay. Like I'm yeah. okay. And she's like, oh, no, you're gonna chicken out again? Or yeah, like <laughs> she's like. She's She's giving him a hard time yeah. in like, such a cute way. Well, because like just right off the bat, I want to say like, here's the difference between Jen and Joey right mm-hmm. now, right? We have watched Jen and Dawson build this mm-hmm. friendship mm-hmm. over seasons and seasons. And we're going to get a callback to mm-hmm. that at I the totally end of this agree. episode, which yeah, yeah. I fucking loved. I loved it too. And they like, we get to see this moment of them being friends. And I think this is where the payoff of like all, all of our complaining about like they didn't earn the mm-hmm. Dawson and Joey they did earn this yeah. Dawson and Jen friendship. And also, I th- I just see Jen being there for Dawson during this period in a way that feels like a, a best friend would do. Absolutely. You know, she just like, no, I'm going to go with you and we're going to shoot the shit. I'm going to like give you a snarky hard time, but it's going to like feel sweet too. Where Joey a lot, like it only feels mean and you're like, whoa, girl. Like, you know. <laughs> totally. And then also Jen's just like, I mean... I know you so like even though your dad died I still know you and I'm gonna like you know kind of like act around you how I would have before you know and I know you're gonna chicken out that has nothing to do with the fact that your dad died you know whereas like Joey on the other hand was just like you're allowed to feel that way And it's like, what? Like, get away from me, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like, and like, kind of, I don't know, just watching this, you just see Jen being such a good, like a best friend to Dawson. Yeah. And like, in a way in which I haven't seen Joey be to him in, in like seasons now. Absolutely. And I think like, and I also think that there's a way in which Joey, like every interaction needed to be about what Dawson had gone through. And Jen's just like, hey, like, you're doing this thing. We're going to sit here. We're just going to kind of shoot the shit. We're going to have coffee and, like, whatever. And, like, if you have questions about it, here I am mm-hmm. to answer them. But I'm not going to, like, force you to talk about any of this. Right. It's almost like Jen wants to move forward. <laughs> mm, there we are. And, like, yeah, Dawson's like, well, I'm not going to chicken out. But, like, I might not go. Mm-hmm. Which is definitely not the same thing. <laughs> so funny. And and Jen kind of gives him a hard time and Dawson just looks at her and he's like, "I love college, Jen." Well, she like kind of ta- kind of gives him like a rundown of how therapy's going to go. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and he's like, "I love college, Jen." And I'm like, uh, you know, after she kind of like 
after she kind of like tells him how therapy's gonna go and then like gets meta and is like talking about Freud and like yeah and like how session Freud... <laughs> <It was> like... <laughs> totally but yeah. she's like Freud thought he was like successful if he like got people to stop being absolutely totally miserable and just like kind of like day-to-day regular miserable mm-hmm. and I was like I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's she's like and 90% of the people on this earth would totally benefit from therapy I mean, girl, your mouth to God's ears. And like we see Dawson take this space, like this honesty that Jen's telling him Uh where she's not talking down to him about her experience. She's just like giving it to him so he can learn from it. And he takes the space to like kind of share his fears and concerns about therapy. And like, you know, like, like, again, we've been complaining for like six episodes of like what the fuck do joey and dawson want this like it just feels so honest and open and like and easy yeah and these are the moments where you're like oh, okay dawson is a good guy i right. like him i agree you know i agree and she you know she kind of like gives him this rundown of like the office and she's she does say that she laid on the couch yeah once. he's like you laid on the couch she's like just once <laughs> And she's like, Tom Frost's office was like very sparse and Danish. So like the couch wasn't that comfortable. And like, <laughs> and she's like, I think this Dr. Rachel Weir is going to be warmer. I think she's going to have a spider plant, which like, so put a pin in that. Yeah. And then like, you know, Dawson, Dawson like straight up asked her like, so you didn't feel weird. Like just like talking about your problems to a total stranger. And she's, and then she says no more weird than I feel blathering on on the Thank radio. Thank you. I was like, is this the first we've heard about this radio show? Okay, so listeners tell us, because, like, I was like, did they cut something from a previous episode, like, on the streaming? I know. Where, like, we saw her... Like, do a radio show? Do a radio show? Or is this episode out of order because of 9-11? I think the next episode is the one that's out of order, but... No, then... Oh, no, not the next one, but the one after that. Yeah. But like because the one that is out of order, she does have a radio show. So I'm like, is that huh. when like that happened? We get the reveal. I don't know. Because I was like, whoa, they just drop it like that. Right. No, I had the same thing because I was like, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Dawson like is like, well, I listen to your it's radio show. So, and so cute. And she's like, yeah, you and Grams. <laughs> it's cute because I always Ooh. complain about how like Dawson expects everyone to like yeah you know do his dream make his movie drop uh-huh, everything uh-huh. for that but like i actually feel like we get to see him supporting his friends totally and i'm like this is a like this is the dawson that the writers wanted dawson to be like seasons one two three and four yeah and i like uh, i love this it. dawson i like i like yeah. this dawson totally and so she he's he like turns to her and legit thanks her oh. for doing this I love I mean, it. Again, I like this Dawson. <laughs> I know. And she's like, anytime. Uh, and like, so here's the thing, right? Is it just that I love Jen with everyone mm-hmm. because Michelle Williams is a queen? Mm-hmm. Or, but like, this kind of gives me similar Pacey Jen vibes. Like, it's not the same. They have different dynamics. Yeah. But I'm still like, yes, look at these two. I'm so excited to see them on my screen. Yeah. I mean, I do think on the one hand, Michelle Williams makes choices with her like snarky banter that that is like makes it less mean. Yeah. And um, Katie Holmes makes it like all mean. And so like that, like kind of. It's meaner. There are times. When it just makes it like yeah. kind of like stand off yeah like it, it it makes it weird and because james vanderbeek ken is 
almost always mean the two like those two don't work together whereas jen or michelle williams makes it a little bit more like sweet and like it's softer it's softer so that the meanness softens as well yeah from james vanderbeek sure so we go to Joey's dorm where Audrey is blowing some dude off yeah. at the door. She's like, bye, shuts the door in his face. And she, she asks Joey why Joey's film, I know. Greek, not Greek, geek, looks like Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. <laughs> Which like, okay. Take a second with that. There's a lot, like, I totally forgot about the whole Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, because all I could think was, like, in what world does James, does James like, that's where my brain just short-circuited, and I couldn't think anything else until this exact moment. It did moment. take me my second watch, where I was like, wait, did she say Tom yeah. Cruise? <laughs> oh, wait, Tom Cruise, oh, right, 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 okay. I mean, this was pre, yeah, they were not dating. I know, and they also mentioned Tom Cruise before, or it was Jerry Maguire. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Anyways, but uh, this is a weird sell. I don't know what the writers are trying to do. Same. Like and I don't like it's weird when like they try to act like like Dawson is hot. Yeah, like I don't think James Vanderbeek is a bad looking person. Yeah. But I wouldn't he's like to me, he's not hot. Yeah. I mean, part of that has to do with Dawson's personality. Yeah, I mean, I I agree (laughs) totally. But like, you're—it's funny when they kind of drop these things in, and you're like, "Who? What character are we talking about here? What is going on?" Like, I know they're trying to sell you on him being a good guy, and that part I can kind of wrap my head around. But like the hotness, I'm like, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, and Audrey's like, my my film geek looks like the kid who doesn't want to go to the dance in Sixteen Candles, and I was like, so John Cusack. Anthony Michael Hall or Anthony Michael Hall are you talking shit about (laughs) I'm not here for it and Joey's like be nicer to George he might be famous someday (laughs) (laughs) and then we do learn that the reason that Audrey Mm -hmm. had to talk to this film geek is because he borrowed this guy's digital camera um so he could tape, she could tape her audition for the real world Ibiza I know (laughs) which is made up but you it's... know that I looked up the timeline for the real world to see where we were. Yeah, where were they? Like Sydney? No. So at this point, we Key had West. just watched the real world back to New York. Okay. So that means that what had aired already uh-huh. was LA, I mean, New York, LA, San Francisco, Miami, RIP Pedro, mm-hmm. San Francisco, that's in San Francisco, Miami, London, Boston, Seattle, Hawaii, New Orleans. Okay. So some classics. I mean, Miami, that threesome in the bathroom. Mm. I I don't think I saw the Miami one. That was the first one I ever watched. Oh, really? Well, I watched San Francisco like on reruns Mm, mm, mm. with Pedro. And then, but Miami was the first one that I like watched religiously. And then Boston, Seattle, Hawaii. Yeah, Boston, I remember. And that's where Sean Duffy is in it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Fuck that, that guy. guy. He's trash. He's a piece of trash. Um, yeah. I mean, Seattle was the slap heard around the world. Which right. Is I fucked. didn't really watch that one either. But um, And then Hawaii had Ruthie. Hawaii had the junk driving. Yeah, yeah. And then New Orleans, that guy was on the beginning of season. Yeah, four. New Orleans, I definitely remember yeah. watching. That one was like pretty iconic. So Las Vegas world. had not been filmed yet. Oh, okay. I want to say. Because uh-huh. she said the real world visa, and I was like, Las Vegas was 
was where the real world shifted because right, right, that right. was so huge. We used to play a drinking game um, in college <laughs> around the world. Do you remember? That? I don't. Oh, every time they showed the palms, we like, oh drank. right, and you we got you we just get get hammered. After, like, I totally hour. forgot about that obviously because we were <laughs> wasted. But oh my god, yeah, Trishel, that was yeah, yeah. Trishel. Well, that was also the one where like all of them like they had up. to be twenty one, and they all like hooked up. Yeah, did like, she get pregnant? She had a pregnancy scared, I think. Um, But, like, I think there was another couple, like, Alton and someone. And so, like, that was the one where, like, it was, like, all hookups, where usually there was just one, you know, or whatever. But I don't know. I totally agree. This is just a funny, like, it's It's hilarious. funny because, like, like, this is when we kind of transition into being, like, super, like, MTV crowd. Yeah, like, For Dawson's Creek. Yeah, because, like, we're going to get more, like, MTV stuff. Right. On this show. So it's, like, it's, like, it's kind of fascinating because it's, like, oh, we're not, like, a WB, like, teen show anymore. We're an MTV show. So it almost seems like whatever was happening at the WB, they were trying to, like, get into, like, a that audience which is funny because i would look at this time period as the death knell for mtv Mm -hmm. and they were like let's get into this Mm -hmm. so that's that's interesting so she asked joey for help and is like do i go vamp vixen or all out slut and joey's like just represent all of the colors (laughs) of the rainbow and she's like what are you doing and joey's like i'm working on this rose lazar project you know and um she's like i have a meeting later and Audrey's like, oh, my God. OK, we got to talk about the important things. Wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Audrey's Aaron. Hensley I know. I was I just like, oh, my God. I didn't know I was this Audrey. <laughs> like, are. oh, my gosh. It's so and this, funny. And this is a scene. Oh, my God. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. And like, and Joey kind of starts spinning about her imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, this is why like this episode's interesting because Joey's storyline is about her imposter syndrome, which is like what we should be seeing this Fascinating. season. Fascinating. I'm here for that Especially story. after like how they made Pacey like a shell of himself because of his like educational like um, trauma. Mm-hmm. Like we, it would have been a cool, like, other telling of that yeah. story, you know, in this way. Um, and so, like, you know, she's kind of just, like, talking about, like, how everyone else in the project's older and smarter and all this stuff. And she, like, she just feels, like, out of place in there. Right. They're, like, dropping names left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. And she's just kind of like, I don't know who these people are. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. And then, like, Wilder, like, throws out these explanations that are clearly, like, for me. Right. And, you know, she's like, I'm just, like, an idiot. Why did he pick me for this? Right. And Audrey says it's because Joey's hot. That part was like really triggering. I don't like this rhetoric, you I know. Agree. It's really hard. I I definitely remember being in college and asking one of my TAs like in a section like, "Oh, we were going over the midterm." And I was like, "Oh, how much math is going to be on it?" And he's like, "Why do you care? Your math's always perfect." And the whole class like stared at me and my friend was like, "He wants to fuck you." And I was like, um, no, my math is always perfect. That's I can attest to that. That is That's true. What happened? Yeah. And he's like, "No, he wants to sleep with you." And I was like, "No." No. I'm telling you right now, my math, my math is perfect. Is perfect. <laughs> and it was like a weird, but that, and I was like, oh, that's what everyone took away from that. Yeah. What? Uh, wild. <laughs> wild. Um, and like, but Audrey's like, would it be so ga- bad if a gorgeous guy found you attractive? And I was just like, oh my God, let's leave this behind. Yeah. 
And um, Joey's like, well, isn't the goal of the college experience to not be reduced to a piece of meat? Yeah. And then Audrey says, would you rather be a brain in a jar? And like, I don't know. I I just don't like that it has to be either or. That's how I feel, too. That's how I feel, too. And I feel like, you know, maybe like not when we're referencing a teacher, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I also like and the you two also- of them, Busy and Katie, do have good chemistry. Mm-hmm. So they do like... It's like you have to, when you're listening to it, you're like, I don't like what they're saying, but they're so charming that I am taken with this scene. Mm -hmm. So it's like a little hard because like, you're like, wait, wait, I'm not into this, even though like I'm enjoying watching you two talk. And it's interesting because you just get the vibe that like they, they didn't know what to do with Audrey. Right. They want her to be the slut, but then like the people behind the show like didn't think she was hot enough to be the slut maybe or something like that. Or they're wild. also like, oh, but we already have that other slut, Jen, or something, you know? So like they don't really know what to do with her. Mm-hmm. And so they're like doing this kind of like weird storytelling. Yeah. And like Busy does a great job with it. Mm-hmm. But like it is a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously she's a phenomenal actress, much similar to Michelle Williams, where she's like, you're going to write this stuff for me. Like, I, I'm going to make it work, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, but it's weird. And totally. then she gives Joey an outfit. You yeah. Know, and it's fine. So we go to the restaurant where Danny and Pacey are talking about this like anniversary party for the restaurant that's happening. And, like, Danny's like, you have 39 hours to perfect this mushroom duck crepes, which sounds, <laughs> sounds disgusting so to me. But, and he's like, you know, all these people are going to be here and the, the backers and the patrons and the reviewers. And, like, Karen comes in in the middle and kind of, like, you know, relays some message about vegetables. And, like, Paisley is really uncomfortable. Like, mm-hmm. now that he really knows that, like, mm-hmm. these two people are having an affair. Yeah. He is really uncomfortable. And, like, he gives, Danny gives Pacey a note on his crepe as mm-hmm. he, like, turns to talk to Karen. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, like, have this whole conversation about, like, how Danny really, like, is the person who, like, got this restaurant off the ground. Because mm-hmm. he would, like, sleep at the restaurant yeah. to wait for the produce guy so he mm-hmm. didn't give him wilted lettuce. Right. And I was like, nothing is worth this. Whew. I mean, obviously, we're reimagining labor in this current moment. So, like, look... You- as you watch that, like, I know I personally have been like, that's fucking wild. But even now you're like, wow, Ooh. we're supposed to look up to that behavior. Yeah. Sleeping at the Sleeping restaurant. Sleeping at the workplace. <laughs> I've done it. I think it's stupid. I would never do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pacey's like, oh, wait, like there was another chef. Like you were the guy who kind of like got this going. Yeah. And Danny confirms that he was. And the first one's Coke habit became too habitual. <laughs> Spot on. So y'all, <laughs> Tom Capinos emailed us uh-huh. um, and was like, told us in his email that he thought he he was like i'm pretty sure i read and loved kitchen confidential right and that's why we did this pacey Mm storyline of him in the restaurant and i have to say i actually love the pacey in the restaurant storyline so i'm like into it Mm -hmm. um but like but like chefs doing coke is like the backbone of kitchen confidential as a book right Um, (laughs) right (laughs) so just an fyi um so uh, Pacey is like, wait, you actually did that? And like, Karen's like, yeah, he would like be here for like months at a time. Mm-hmm. And like, he, he's like, oh, that must be hell on the marriage. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, yeah. is Emily coming? Like, right. He's just like determined to make this awkward, which yeah. is fine. I, mean, I know. Like, 
like there are some problems I take, but like yeah. on the whole, like I I like kind of like this, you know. He's like, if you're gonna have an affair and be so sloppy, like this is what happens. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, I'm gonna have more to say later, but yeah. So then we go to the therapist. Well, we office. find out she's not coming. The wife oh, isn't yeah, yeah, coming. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we find out she's not coming. Yeah. So then we go to the therapist's office where there is a spider plant. Yeah, and Dawson like giggles, and yeah. it's so cute, you know. Yeah, and we meet Rachel Weir, yeah. who is played by Polly Peretti, mm-hmm. who maybe you know from her 15 years as Abby on NCIS. Yeah. A show I have not once seen, but my dad really loved. I will tell you, I watched an episode with my dad, and you know who was on it? Who? Meredith Monroe. Oh, she got she's like a recurring character oh, on that show. Oh, yeah, I'm so glad. Um, uh, spoiler, but the episode I saw was when she gets murdered. Oh, <laughs> man, I know Meredith. Yeah, I love you, girl. So I want to say for us, mm-hmm. Polly Peretti played the D- the radio DJ that Philip Seymour Hoffman's Lester Bangs mm-hmm. makes play Iggy Pop in Almost Famous. Right. Mm. And she was also on the Anne Hathaway, Jesse Eisenberg show, Time of Your Life. Oh, interesting. That my friend, Pamela Ribbon, shout uh-huh. out to her. She has a podcast about Sassy Magazine, if uh-huh. you miss Sassy Magazine. Cool. Um, Pam... Um, <laughs> Like, basically got canceled with her recaps on television without pity. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, like, her start. <laughs> Amazing. As she writes Disney movies now. Um, so, anyway, so Rachel Weir asks what Dawson thinks is so funny. And he's, like, he, like, tells her. He's, like, you know, my friend Jen and I were, like. Just talking. And, like, and it's cute because, like, even though Dawson has, like, he's a little bit, like, I want to do therapy right. Like, he has a perfectionist them in him but he's also like all right this is like i feel like he's taking therapy seriously he's like this is my time to just like figure it out do my thing word vomit and then like you know that's how that shit works so like i want to give him credit for that you know and you kind of get the vibe that like jen eased him into like taking it seriously and and, like he went in calm because she was there with him Mm -hmm. and he wasn't like a fucking anxious mess exactly yeah and like doctor she's like you know what did you expect and he's like i don't know what everyone expects and she's like robin williams in goodwill hunting mm-hmm. or judd hirsch in a big sweater which is a reference to ordinary people oh okay which is a real doozy of a movie okay um i mean great but yeah whew. and i'm like she's already f- speaking dawson's film language i know and i also <laughs> think she really got to like the main problem Dawson has is like what are your expectations you know because that's like his biggest problem in my opinion you know and like Dawson kind of lets her know like I just want to do this right and he's she's like you are you're fine you're fine you know and you kind of see how like she's actually like a good match for him um unlike Tom Frost (laughs) yep and like he tells her he gets into it he's like you know I've been having these panic attacks and like he knows that they're his way of dealing with his father's death. And she's like, are you sure that's why you're having them? Like mm-hmm. nothing else is different in your life. And he's like, no, everything's different. Yeah. He's actually. like, now that you mention yeah, it, yeah. like six months ago, I didn't think this is what I'd be doing with my life. And she, he kind of gets into it. Like I was mm-hmm. going to USC and like, you know, and now I'm not, I'm with my mom and helping her and everything. And she's like, well, USC is pretty far away. Yeah. And she's, and you know, like he's, well, so he says that like he left USC um, and he thought he was going to go back, but Mm -hmm. now his mom needs him. And so I was a little like, 
So he just li- lied about that shit that he said to Joey last time? Like, I, I was think a little he's confused. lying to her. To, to the, Rachel Weir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because, okay. He's so, like, I'm not going to talk to you about Joey. I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, fair. Yeah. But he says he's like, he want he, you know he doesn't know about going back to school. Like he feels like really frozen in this moment Mm -hmm. and like he could go back and like, you know, she's just kind of like, okay, so like you're having panic attacks. Your mom needs you. Your baby sister needs you. And like, you know, this is like the, your brain isn't set up to cope with what you're going through right Mm -hmm. now. So like things are manifesting in these weird ways. Yeah. And like, you know, and she just, she's like, it's fucking hard. And like, there's going to be a problem when you start convincing yourself that the lies are true. Right. That these lies that you're telling yourself in order to get through this moment, Mm -hmm. if you start believing them, that's going to be really problematic. Yeah. And that's what we're here to stop. Yeah. So then we go to Wilder's house. Is there, there was a like subtle Brie joke, wasn't there? Was there? I think there might have been. Oh my God. All I heard was just to talk about lesbians and literary sluts. I mean, girl, we're going to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> so this girl is saying that Rose Lazar's evidence are, uh, or letters are evidence of a big lesbian affair. I would like to say as a person who majored in literature, mm. um, I've never seen better representation of what a literature class actually looks like <laughs> because every class at UCSC was like, here's why this is gay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> also, that's my role on this podcast. Yeah. So here we are. I, I really like feel this chick. Um, and then some dude's like, there's so many references to Sappho. Like, this is why, like, you know, this totally, she's totally a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And Wilder's like, sometimes people just quote Sappho. Yeah. Like, they don't have to be lesbians. <laughs> well, Professor sure Wilder's like, it always comes to lesbians, doesn't uh-huh, it? You uh-huh, know? Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, Joey, what do you think? Well, wait, the, okay. uh, the girl calls her a literary slut, like uh-huh. Edna St. Vincent Millay or oh. a nice nun. Yeah. She also says a nice nun's name wrong. I know. You say it how I just said it. I know. It. She she totally did like a clueless moment. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the Hadians. Uh-huh. Um, and like, I don't know that I would classify either of those people as literary sluts. Mm-hmm. I just want to say it. Like, yes, a nice nun like had an affair with her. Um, well, well, what's a slut? There you go. Doesn't matter who she slept with. Yeah. There was a few. Um, and Wilder also one time a friend of mine gave me a collection of Anais Nin's erotica. Mm-hmm. Like I I want to like make this clear. I did not ask for this. Uh-huh. She was like, you should have this book. And uh-huh. I kind of didn't know what it was. And then I started reading it. And I was like, 16 maybe uh-huh. and i was like i don't know that this is for me it's just not that's not my style yeah, yeah, yeah um and i like put it under my bed and then my mom found it oh my god we've never talked about it <laughs> she does listen to this podcast so maybe we will now talk about it next week <laughs> yeah, exactly. i'll tell you if she like brings it up to me um so anyway uh a nice nin and i have like a real relationship uh-huh mm-hmm. 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 anyway so he's like you know, he asked Joey, he's like, why do you think these letters that we're talking about now are like so different from the rest? And Joey's just like, she's like, they're interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And she's like, but I wonder who IV is. Right. Who are they written to? Yeah. And like, we don't know. And these are like sort of the most revealing letters. And like, she clearly cared about the person she wrote them Mm -hmm. to. 
And then Cassandra says, it's a mystery, like Derrida's po- the postcard, but for real. So, you know, and, and like, she's like, Joey, don't you think so? Like, she kind of like, yeah. thinks Joey's smart. Right. And so then is trying to include Joey. Mm-hmm. And Joey's like, if I knew who Derrida was, I probably would. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a part of me that's like, that's such a great moment of Joey actually admitting that she doesn't know something in I front know. of people that she's like intimidated by. I know. I totally agree. Because she's, she loves to lie. Totally, but she doesn't in this I know, moment. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I don't know. Dare we say growth? <laughs> I mean, in this episode, yes. 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 <laughs> um, I also am going to give a little lesson on Dairy Doll later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I tweeted this out, but like trigger warning to all you English writers <laughs> out there. Sorry about that. But the postcard is a book that he wrote that was like epistolary letters written to an unnamed recipient. Um. So, okay. also, Derrida is a person that everyone who has a lit major has PTSD from, Got myself it. included. Got it. Um, so, Wilder's like, okay, next meeting, come, like, with ideas about who, who these letters think be they, to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So... We go back to the restaurant mm. and Karen is asking if Pacey has a date for Wednesday night for the, the party. And we hear about Melanie again. So yeah. she's not gone. Jennifer Morrison. Yeah. yeah he's mm. she's like, what happened to that blonde girl that you were like with? And and he's like, well, she's in law school. So like that kind of takes up all of her time. Yeah. And Karen's like law school. You're going to need a lawyer at some point, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and Pacey, he's kind of like not having it. Like yeah, his yeah. vibe towards her has definitely Cold. changed, you yeah, know? Yeah. And she, but she, and she's kind of like, you know, you can tell she's like, what's happening, but she doesn't know. And she's like, well, do you want me to set you up with one of my friends? I've got hot friends, you know? And he's like, no, it's okay. And she's, she's like, what's going on with mm-hmm. you? What's happening here? Remember when we used to banter? What's this, you know? Yeah. And Pacey's like, well, how about you? He kind of gets fucked up here, I think. Like, he walks a line and sometimes crosses yeah. it. Yeah. He's like, what about you and your boyfriend? Is he coming? Because, like, it's been months and I've never seen this guy. Like, how's that possible? And she's like, well, you know, he's busy. And he kind of, like, starts talking shit on this imaginary boyfriend. Right. And then he says, like, oh, has your boyfriend ever taken you to the Boston Harbor on a boat? Yeah, and then she's like, oh, did he tell you? And then his face, her face drops, and yeah. she's like, he told you? Which, like, oh, my God, to feel like I know. he's, like, you're this fucked up guy's, like, gossiping about you in the workplace would be feel so humiliating. Yeah, yeah. And Pacey's like, it's my boat. Yeah. Well, she, and he also says, I want to say, yeah, he says, that's my boat. And then he goes on, and he's like, you're, you've been complaining to me about this boyfriend and I've been stupid enough to have sympathy for you. And Karen, my queen, is like, I didn't ask you to sympathize with me. Yeah, totally. And I'm like, yeah, t- tell him, Karen. <laughs> and then he starts like to guilt trip her. Mm-hmm. And like, on the one hand, I think Danny's trash and someone needs to tell her that, you know. I, I, I'm with you. But he's kind of like, you know... What's going on here? He's like, you know, you're sleeping with a married man. And like, he's not like I've had to lie to Danny's wife for you. Pacey, I have a question for Pacey Witter. Like this. Did anyone fucking ask you to do that? I know. And like, you're lying for Danny. You're covering for Danny. Yeah. You know, like you're Danny's in a relationship with both these women. Danny made vows. Yeah. To Emily. Yeah. And is the only person currently breaking those vows. You know, like, 
on the one hand, I can see how maybe if I want to give this space, but I don't think I do, where he's like, if I said something like the truth around Emily, then like it would hurt you. blow back and hurt you. Mm-hmm. But that's not what he's saying. He's definitely trying to slut shame her. And I, I just think that's fucked up. Well, and also my thing is like, look, I'm not condoning sleeping with married people. No, I, I think that's fucked up. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But also you don't know the whole story about yeah. what's happening here. Um, you don't, I mean, we're going to get it. And yeah, yeah. I think this is where like my sympathy kind of comes in, but also like Karen is not the person who's breaking vows. No, and no. So as much as like, okay, say you started sleeping with someone and they were like, at a certain point you figured out or learned that they were married. Yeah. I personally would be like, okay, thank you. That was, <laughs> yeah, you're a liar. <laughs> yep. Thanks for, you know, mm-hmm. this shit and fun while it lasted by now. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm not here to judge. Yeah. yeah not yeah, making totally. that decision. Yeah. So, you know. And he's just like, this is going to blow up in your face. Well, and also I think like Pacey's hero complex is not something that we've talked about in a little while because I think, you know, kind of after mid season four, we weren't seeing it that much. Mm-hmm. But like here it is back yeah. in full force. That's no, not gone away. Without a doubt. Like yeah. this definitely feels in character to Pacey yeah. and part of his journey for yeah. sure, because he has like a huge hero complex and he's like, you know, now he's like this role is kind of transition. And he also doesn't know how to behave when like he looked like he did this kind of with Dawson where he looked up to this man and like was like, you're going to fulfill this role in my life. And now I'm seeing you completely differently and I don't know how to handle this, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what's happening with him and Danny. He thought Danny was going to be his mentor. Right. Exactly. And also, I mean, not only that part, which mm-hmm. I think is painful and hard, mm-hmm. but also like there's this thing of like he, you know, we get to see Pacey be kind of shitty sometimes. Mm -hmm. And actually this is a way where I'm like, I appreciate this kind of shitty. Yeah. And so for me, like watching this, it's like, you know, we complain about Dawson a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think some people kind of get confused on like, well, Pacey kind of can be shitty too. And and right here he's being so. I guess my thing is that like, he seems much more malleable Mm -hmm. where like when you call him on his shittiness, there's a redirect. Yeah. Whereas Dawson oftentimes seems not to. Now this new, like, seeing the friendship with Jen at the beginning of this episode, Mm -hmm. my thing is, like, I'm here. If I'm much more willing to give people space when they're young teenagers and they behave shitty and Mm -hmm. then things start to change. Yeah. And let's see, shall we? Exactly. So we go to Cape Side, mm-hmm. where Dawson and Gail are walking and talking, and Gail's, like, asking about Dawson's therapy. And Gail, as though she's never been to therapy, which I don't believe for a goddamn second, is like, did your therapist have an opinion about USC? And I'm like, she's not a life coach, Gail. I know. <laughs> it's not how therapy works, and you fucking know it. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. But, yeah. you know she's dealing with the death of her husband yeah, yeah, yeah. so whatever yeah. and like in this weird place with her son where she you know she's worried about him grieving and whatever I, she's I, yes totally so she's like you know like at a certain point things kind of have to get back to normal mm-hmm. dawson like you whatever know like whatever is, that yeah. means and we see this car pull up and they're like she's like all right it's time 
and we go to their porch and like the there's a lawyer there and he's like kind of handling all these papers and he like talks about like a living trust that has been set up and he's like the only thing is like so your bills are covered your health care and everything but like lily isn't named in it yet like we didn't have time to add that okay aaron you're good at finance stuff Mm -hmm. i'm terrible at it Mm -hmm. explain this to me like i'm five this guy says Gail and Dawson are enlisted recipients. Mm-hmm. And Dawson says, but not Lily. And the lawyer says, no, Mitch never filed anything, so she won't ac- have access to it. And my thing is, if Mitch died and Gail's still alive, wouldn't she be the executor of the trust? I mean, I... Th- I've been thinking about this a lot because we're going to get into the listener corner because we've had people email us about like, this doesn't make any sense. Okay. okay. But since I've been thinking about it, I've decided that Mitch is rich. Okay. And he has, he has his own trust. trust. The Leary family trust that doesn't include Gail. That has like different, it just has different rules to Uh it because Mm -hmm. it's like a family trust from like his fucking rich ass family. Okay. That's what I think is happening That is the here. explanation that works. Yeah, that's the only way this works because it just doesn't make sense because Gail would just like, you know, get, you know, well, there is ways in which you can like, you know, have your estate set up for your kids to get stuff even if you still are married. But like, then that means like, then your like partner that's alive still like has to fulfill those needs and everything and like sometimes it doesn't it could not happen until they die you know Mm -hmm. because like it everything would be common law and also gail had all the money so this doesn't make any sense yeah other than if mitch was really rich from a rich family yeah totally yeah without giving too much away when my dad died i got put as a named person on our yeah you know like my parents kind of like finance stuff and like my mom controls it all, but, like, if something were to happen to her, now it doesn't, like, you don't have to go through all that rigmarole of, yeah. like, hey, <laughs> both of my parents are dead. And yeah. I, yeah. My parents are still alive, and I am have all of their documents, like, yeah, in, yeah. in a file, you know, totally. and me so, and my like, brother are named so, okay, in it. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, um, you know, Gail kind of is like, you know, the guy's like, well, maybe there's a signed paper somewhere. Like, you should look for it. But yeah. there's also a workaround and it's legal. So, like, it's just not ideal. It'd just be, like, a little bit more complicated, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And the lawyer's just like, you should just look around to see if there was, like, these documents. So you kind of, like, again, I feel like, and again, this is a lot of, like, gymnastics I'm running through. But, like, the lawyer is Mitch's family's the Leary family lawyer. Yeah. And he gave these documents to Mitch to fill out. That's why he's saying look around for them yeah. because there were like some documents to fill out. That I did give to him. Yeah. That are around somewhere. Totally. Um, yeah. So we go back to Worthington and here we are at the first of the great coats of Joey Potter. Oh, okay. Uh, it's like a camel. Okay. Kind of colored. Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> and she's walking and talking with Ken Marino, whose name I forgot. So I called him Ken Marino. Professor I got Wilder. Yeah. I got back to it. PW. Uh, and she's like, he's like, is do you think Rose Lazar is boring? And she's like, like, no. Mm-hmm. But like all her letters are so stiff and formal. But these are like fucking great. Yeah. And she's kind of like, I think they're written to a friend. Yeah. Well, Ken Marino asks if he thinks that people, because she's like, 
the the other ones, not the mm-hmm. ones that feel like they're written to a friend. The yeah. other ones feel like she's being graded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cameron was like, "Oh, you think you can't be at ease with people who are grading you?" And I was like, "No, and stop this immediately." I know he's so gross. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, that's manipulative behavior to feel like you can. You're always being judged by what you do based on someone else's scale. Yeah. Uh, no, you psycho. And Joey says no. She's yeah. like, no, or you shouldn't be. Yeah. And she's just like. I think that they were written to a friend, like the amount yeah. of vulnerability that's shown. It, it feels like a friend. Right. And she's like, if they were love letters, they would be less honest. I like paused. Me too. A moment. I was like, wow. I know. Wow. Is that like, is that like, did we just figure out what the problems are? Yes. <laughs> Things became so clear. Yeah. And I will Crystal. say this is when I think we're maybe talking about Joey and Dawson. Yeah, I do too. But I just maintain that they don't have romance between them. So it just doesn't make sense. Like, totally. I think she's trying to like retcon in her own head something about like, why she can't be honest with him but really it's and why they don't work yeah yeah, really it's just because they're like they're not good for each other they're children that should just like move on you know totally yeah (laughs) so you know joey's like you know who she just pours her heart onto these letters and who's that honest with someone they're sexually attracted to and i was like girl wow (laughs) wow she's like people can be friends best friends but the second sexual attraction comes into it it's like all bets are off as far as honesty is concerned and i'm like i mean at 18 i think that's kind of true yeah it's like an interesting take and again like you're like do the writers not remember season four happened season three happened Mm -hmm. you know because Mm -hmm. like she obviously she was so horny for pacey she was clearly sexually attracted to him you know i mean that make out in the longest day is like whoo yeah. yeah yeah and like when she like comes on to him when they first fuck like yeah. oh my yeah, god yeah. like goosebumps hello yeah. and so like i do think she lied to pacey a lot but i think that like there were these moments of really like the Real most honesty. honesty we've ever seen from her totally. which like obviously felt scary um but like i you know like just like a blanketed like you can't be that honest with someone you're sexually attracted to is like fascinating Ooh. to me yeah totally yeah um especially of people who need therapy <laughs> well yeah and then on the flip side if we're supposed to think this is about joey and dawson which like it, it just doesn't hold any weight yeah it's kind of like she does maintain that dawson's her best friend and she can tell him everything or whatever so then again following her logic that she just stated she's not sexually attracted to him mm indeed mm-hmm. so she's like he's you know he's kind of like do you don't think people can be friends and lovers and she's like well i hope i do like i i do i mean i hope i do but maybe not at 18 which i definitely feel is like the most honest we've seen from her um it, it ab- does take a little of the sting out of what she said to me yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that like okay and maybe like, you'll grow into being able to be honest with someone you're yeah. having sex with you should yeah. be honest with them and like but again it kind of does leave you of like what does she want from dawson totally you know yeah and she admits to wilder she doesn't know where to start with like figuring out the friend angle uh-huh. on rose lazar and like she's like you know she then she's honest with him mm-hmm. of like i don't have the same background as everyone else like you know like why do you want me here kind of mm-hmm. thing and and he kind of leads her to 
possibly an answer where he's like, you know, where do you meet your closest friends? Mm-hmm. In college, where'd she go to college? Here at Worthington. Yeah. So, like, there's a place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can attest that you usually make pretty good friends in college. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see how Joey does, you know, and our <laughs> other characters. But uh, we did okay. Yeah, yeah um, totally. <laughs> so, Joey's like, you know, Joey asks her why, well, has asked him why she's helping her. Mm-hmm. And he says he likes the underdogs. Mm-hmm. And like, I like the sentiment, but the way he says it, I was like, this fucking creep. It's weird. Awful. It's okay. Weird. So we go to the Leary house and we're supposed to get a song. Okay. Easy. Easy. Uh huh. But just easy. Mm-hmm. By Pete Yorn. Okay. The master of yeah, yeah, yeah. early aughts teen drama. Right, right, right. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Continue. And Dawson is like frantically digging through drawers, like mm-hmm. looking for this document, like anywhere he can think of. And Gail comes down and she's like, What are you doing? You yeah. know? And he's like, well, it must be somewhere. We've got to find this document. Like, yeah. it has to be somewhere. Like at the restaurant. Like. Yeah. Have you looked at the restaurant? What's going on? And she's like, I'm just not worried. Like, it just doesn't yeah. matter. Like, the lawyer said, like, we can, it'll, we can figure it out. And he's like frantic. And she and finally like, is like, you're scaring me. Yeah. And like, yeah. I need you to stop this, you know? And he looks at her and he's like, you found it, didn't you? Yeah. And she's like, Yeah. I did in the like Stephen King novel page 93 and Dawson's like and it wasn't signed and she's like oh and I kind of like knew that would happen like your dad just wasn't really good with the details yeah totally um and we go from there back to the library where Mm -hmm. Joey's looking up the yearbooks Mm -hmm. for Rose Lazar's year and I love when colleges have yearbooks I'm like oh my god it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and this has already been taken. Like, the yearbook's already out the years yeah. that she's gone. Yeah. By Cassandra, she sees her, and Joey sits mm-hmm. down with her, and they, like, talk. And I just need to mention that Cassandra's eyebrows are so... So 90s. 90s. I know. Woo, I know. Woo, girl. And, like, you just... Like, I love this because this girl thinks Joey's smart and Mm -hmm. you can kind of feel this connection and you kind of wish the show would just, like, expand, like, these friendships and these worlds or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you got to take what you can get and we're going to get this very small scene where, like, she's like, oh, it's cool that we had the same idea. Like, Mm -hmm. that's so awesome, you know? And this girl's, like, super supportive and Joey's receptive to it because this girl isn't blonde. She's a redhead. Uh uh So she can take it. Yeah. And... (laughs) Um, Joey's like, you know, I was thinking maybe it would, it was her college roommate, Rose's college roommate. And Cassandra's like, no, because she mentions her in some other letters and says she's like a bonehead. Yeah. So so Rose Lazar is Joey. Is that what we're thinking? I know. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. And then Cassandra's like, I mean, this whole thing's just like an excuse to be around Wilder, right? And I was like, oh, God. I know. I totally agree. Bummer. What a bummer. I know. Yeah such a weird like i i guess is like is, is this how it is in these elite schools like that's what we're supposed to think is the women are there just trying to fuck all the you know professors and like i don't know there's st- like know. Ever, all the men still wield all this power in one way or another like ugh, what an eye no. roll no so we go to pacey's boat where karen's waiting for him and she's like there to apologize which mm-hmm. is cool i like it yeah and she's like I want to apologize for the stuff I said. And he's like, what stuff? And she's like, 
you know what stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that's like, guys, just say it. Like, say the thing. I yeah. apologize for saying this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he admits also that he didn't behave the best. Right. And she's like, you know, look, you got put in the middle. That wasn't fair. Yeah. And like when you called me on it, I was defensive and judgmental, which isn't fair either. And I just like this is adult behavior. Yeah, no, I know. I really like it because it's totally true. Like I think Doss, or excuse me, I think Pacey's reaction to being caught in the middle is like too much blaming Karen. Totally. But on the other hand, like he's caught in the middle. So you totally. can kind of see how he's just like, I don't want to have to lie to this woman like, I don't like this. And she's got a lot of different emotions wrapped up in everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, not just Pacey finding out and now mm-hmm. he knows, but also like that she's dating someone that has a wife and yeah, blah, yeah, yeah. Blah, And like, you know, that's there's emotions that are wrapped up in that no matter what you think yeah. of that behavior. And Pacey has like, you know, the, you know, he wants to save people. So mm-hmm. he even wants to save Emily Emily yeah you know Um, yeah and then she admits and this is where I start to open up a lot of space for Karen Mm -hmm. is that she tells Pacey like he she says like he reminds her of Danny a little bit like Mm -hmm. or Pacey reminds her of Danny I said that right and he's kind of offended by this and she's like look Pacey like when Danny and I got together he and Emily were like she had walked out on she had left Mm -hmm. You know, and like, so this is my thing, too, is that like, this is why I'm like a little I don't like to judge people who like mm-hmm. are sleeping with married yeah, people because yeah, yeah. I'm like, you don't know all the facts usually. Yeah. Like, I think this reveals Danny's trash. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I already thought that, but it like confirms it, you know, yeah. but like I, you know, like. I can see how someone would be like, I fell in love with this person when we were dating exclusively. And then his wife came back and I didn't know how to like. Right. And who knows when she found out that his wife came back. Yeah. So like, you know, it makes it really complicated. Like, even so, I would tell her that guy's trash. He's a liar. Like, you know, but I see where she's coming from and I don't judge her. But like. Danny's trash and Danny's he's a liar. trash and you should probably get out yeah, of that. He's but a liar. also, and like you, you love who you love. Sometimes. Yeah, because she even yeah. kind of tell, says what she loves about Danny. Yeah. She's just like he just has this idealism about things that they can work out, and it's just it's infectious. And like I like that energy, you know. Yeah, and she's like, and you were kind of like that too. Yeah, and he he like invites her in, and she's like, no, and he just like looks. I gotta say, he just like looks so cute and boyish in this mm-hmm. scene. Like he's like cute mm-hmm. in this scene yeah anyway so we go to grams's house where again dawson and jen are having coffee yeah jen is like pouring herself coffee coffee and then like dawson is just like telling her catching her up about how it went yeah and he's like i really like her Mm -hmm. but she wants me to come three times a week and i was like what what is this again wow yeah that's a lot of therapy yeah um, and Jen, but Jen's like, that's good because like, then I get to see you more often. And yeah. I'm, I'm always excited about that. And Dawson like tells Jen about the will. Yeah. He totally confides in mm-hmm. her, you know? Mm-hmm. And Jen is like, look, maybe your mom is right. Like maybe you're fixating on this whole like paper thing for a reason. Yeah. And like, again, here is where I want to kind of bring up Jay's conversation with us about Asperger's, Mm -hmm. because it is places like this 
where like that conversation feels really relevant Mm -hmm. like yeah sometimes when you're grieving you fixate on weird shit but also there's like parts of this that feel to me like more than just fixating because you're grieving Mm -hmm. and so I like I want to just say that that's always in my mind right as well and like so there are these I think there are still I still love that theory and I think there are still these moments Mm -hmm. um and like so, you know, Jen, Jen, but Jen kind of like pulls him back and was like, look, your dad just like made a mistake. Yeah. And then she says this very honest thing where she's like, you're so afraid to get mad at him. Yeah. And Dawson's like, well, because it won't change anything. And Jen, this is so wise. I know. And she's like, it might change you. I know. And that's the point of therapy. Yeah. Whew. See, this is, like, what I've been trying to get at is that, like, Jen just wants Dawson to feel better. Like, she doesn't have any feelings on how she wants to feel about that. Right. Whereas Joey, yes, she wants Dawson to feel better, but she wants to be the one to provide that, you know? And that's why it can't, it, it just, like, can't happen, you know? Because she has her own agenda about it instead of just, like, giving Dawson the space to be like grieve and you know totally be messy totally but I also think that's something you learn as you age and without a doubt but that's why it's like that's why we just keep watching Jen and Dawson and being like why can't this be a core relationship yeah like they are best friends more so than we've ever seen Joey and Dawson in my opinion and they have more chemistry like you know like and we even reminded like at the end of this episode like they have more history sexual history romantic history longer time than you know he, he and joey does yeah. so. so we go to the dorms where audrey is showing joey her audition tapes mm-hmm. and the final one she shows like she's like got a few all different, different options yeah. yeah and then she finally just like the final one is her just like very honestly talking to the camera mm-hmm. about how she has to forgive her mom because forgiving is her only way she'll ever be good to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And then she says the part that's terrifying is she feels like she's turning into her mom and she doesn't think she can change that because even if she doesn't like who she is, she knows who that is. And if she tried to change, who would, who would she, she be? be? Oh my Oof, God. So honest. I know. Yeah. And this gives Joey a brainwave. Yeah. And she's like, Oh my God, this, like, this is it. First yeah. of all, this is the video. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she's like, I'm just like sitting there talking to myself. And Joey's like, yeah, but that's you. Uh-huh. That's the real you. And you're the, this girl in the video. That's not afraid to look stupid. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she like getting, she's like, like frantically like stuff. going out the door and she's like, turns and is like, for what it's worth, I've met your mom and you're nothing like her. I know. And she leaves. And I'm like, growth question mark i know it's hard because (laughs) because she's actually kind of great in this episode particularly in regards to audrey like yeah like she's a supportive friend on all fronts yeah i I definitely agree like in this you walk away being like oh wow she said some nice stuff to audrey and she also like was supportive of like you know joey's judgmental so she thinks audrey applying for real world abita is like bullshit and like she's judging her but instead of just being like whatever yeah I'm, but in this moment she's like you know this like is gonna it, get you in yeah like you know it's like joey you're reading like a dead woman's letters like and like you know we're all doing stupid shit whatever yeah. um <laughs> what's the difference? yeah what's the fucking difference you know um that the white patriarchal establishment tells you that rose Lazar's letters are more important, more important than, than the real world abitha i know it's like okay um but like Yeah, I agree. In this moment, you can see how she's like giving her like, you know, a handout or whatever. But I guess I just wish like the the 
I don't know. It was just a little bit more supportive. I, I hear you, but she is like. It's growth, but it's hard because like, where do I put the bar? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we go back to the restaurant where Pacey's cooking and Danny's like in his tux ready to yeah. greet guests. And, you know, Danny and Karen are kind of flirting. Yeah. Karen walks in and Danny's like, damn, yeah, like girl, stares at her yep. and he like spins her around and they start dancing. And like we see as she, he does another spin, we see Emily is right there. Danny's yeah. wife and Pacey like panics and he's like, Emily, <laughs> hey, because it like kind of looked like he was going to dip Karen and kiss, kiss her, her. Yeah. you know, which is pretty sloppy in the workplace. Totally. Because technically Pacey's the only person that knows about and it. And does Danny know that Pacey knows? Right. I was going to say. You know, even, yeah. so like, okay, this is real sloppy. And Karen gets upset at that. Yeah. And you're kind of like, Karen, I was on your side. Until this moment. And we're going to, we're going to have some, words. some issues. Yeah. And she thinks Pacey called her. Right. And like on the one hand, she already admitted she doesn't know Pacey and Pacey's just sexually harassed her the whole time and been a creep. So I can kind of see why she thinks yeah, this, totally. you know, and he's just like, look, I'm just trying to be a friend to you. And like you, any you clearly don't have that many because anyone would tell you like, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. This is going to blow up in your face. Uh-huh. And like, you know, I feel for Karen because she obviously loves Danny and she obviously knows this to be true but the way she takes that and spins it is like oh what married men don't leave their wives for the waitress and it's like well she kind of is like i fucking know that it's like the way she's what words she tries to put in pacey's mouth like Mm. i don't think is what happened i agree with you like it's not that like pacey's judging her for being a waitress it's like no, Danny's clearly not leaving his wife. His wife came back and he went back yeah, to married her. married men often don't leave their wives. Yeah. yeah. Or like, even if they were separated, he obviously, yeah. she came back and he said, okay. So like that, you kind of got your answer. And in a way, Karen being like this with Pacey though, puts him in his place and he kind of like backs down. Mm-hmm. And I was just wanted to note that if anyone would like to make a reality show, that's just women putting men in their places and then them listening to them, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go to the therapist's office where Dawson's talking about why he was so mad about these papers. Mm-hmm. And he finally admits like, I was mad at my dad. Yeah. and But I feel like I can't be mad at him right now. And like, to her credit, Dr. Weir's like, you absolutely can. You can totally be mad at your dad, you know? Totally. She, and she's like, he was mad at you when he died. Yeah, you guys were mad at each other. That doesn't go away. And Dawson's like, yeah, but he had reasons to be mad. And she's like, yeah, sure. And, and so did you. And also he was wrong. Like, right. if we were to have him still here and we could ask him all the reasons why he was mad, we'd find out that, like, they were about him. Right. And his hopes and his expectations. Uh-huh. And she says just because he died doesn't mean he gets to win the argument. Ugh. Like, this is, like, what That's we like, wish Tom Frost had done. <laughs> I mean, to be really really frank like honestly i had an almost identical conversation with my therapist after my dad died. i know it's like they finally get this therapy thing like somewhat right you know third time's a charm i guess you know and um dawson's like you know i remember the night that he died and like all i can remember is how angry i felt yeah and she just like that's okay you get to feel that but now you have to decide where to go yeah and he's just like what am i supposed to do and she's like what every 18 year old has to do and it's just like 
figure this decide what out. to do with your life yeah. you know I mean, I wish there was a caveat for like for right now, because I don't think you need to decide your mm-hmm. entire life at 18. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think that would be a bad idea. Yeah. But like. Well, obviously see where that got him, where he decided his entire life when he was 10. And now he's like crippled with like indecision yeah. right now, you know, mm, maybe he should learn a lesson from that. And he's like, well, what if I don't know? Yeah. And she's like, I mean, that's totally fine yeah. if you don't know. But personally, I think you do know. Yeah. Yeah. So then we head back to the restaurant mm-hmm. and the kitchen's kind of calm. Like it seems like the food service might be over. Mm-hmm. So Pacey's like in a suit and he goes out to check on Karen and he's like, he you like know, sees Danny and Emily dancing and yeah. like having a great time. And Karen's like at the bar, like sullen. So sad. Yeah. yeah. And he tells her she looks amazing. And, and then she's like, do you ever wish you were someone else? And Pacey just without missing a beat is like Harrison Ford, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> And she's like, no, I mean, like, just broadly, randomly, randomly someone else. else. And he totally plays along, you know? Yeah. And then he, yeah, because he, he's like, hey, I'm Scott. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm Marie. And he, like, <laughs> takes her out to dance. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's sweet. Yeah. And they, like, banter and, and you know they're dancing on the dance floor and then they do a turn and like karen sees like danny and and emily dancing and, and kissing yeah. she starts freaking she out wild. yeah and she's like i'm gonna go over there i'm gonna talk to him yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like no 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 bat this, this is, is not a good not idea, a good idea. Yeah, no yeah. no yeah. no and she's like yes it is i'm gonna go talk to him and he's like hold on what are you gonna say to him yeah and she, you know we don't hear. Yeah. We go straight to Wilder's house mm-hmm. where Cassandra is in the throes of saying that whoever Rose Lazar was writing to must be a writer mm-hmm. because she talks so much about writing in these letters and like and like her insecurity surrounding it. And Wilder calls on Joey at this point mm-hmm. and Joey's like, I totally agree. Yeah. And then she shares her theory that like Rose was writing these letters to herself Mm -hmm. because they seem like a diary or confessional. There's like no small talk. Mm -hmm. They're all about her. And like, that's the only way she can think. Yeah. And it was the only person she was brave enough to say it with was herself. Yeah. And then Joey, like, it's like kind of silent. And Joey's like, oh, am I an idiot? Was that really stupid? And Wilder's like, no, you're just hearing five people ask themselves. Why didn't I think of that? Mm -hmm. So, we're still at Wilder's house. We go to seemingly after the meeting yeah. and it's just Joey and him at the house. And he's talking about writing letters as like writing, not only to the other person, but um, who is a ghost in and of themselves, but mm-hmm. also to your own ghost as well. It's like, mm-hmm. he think he says it's a Kafka theory or something. Yeah. He's like, it's, a, it's like Kafka. Yeah. And he's like, Kafka had a Felice and she's like, who's that? And he's like, you know, it was his fiance and they had a will they won't they thing that ultimately ended with nothing. Okay. So is this the other yeah. Dawson and Joey yeah, yeah, reference? Yeah. yeah. Joey, take a hint. Yeah, exactly. Ultimately ended with nothing. Mm-hmm. And Joey's like, do you think I was right? And he's like, I mean, I think this is the best theory we have so far. Yeah. And he and he kind of says, like, I think that, like, one of the reasons that you think like this is because you're a freshman and you haven't been corrupted by all this shit yet. Yeah. And, like, all these people in college, like, that's the thing is they, like, lose their kind of ability to think freely because so many people feel insecure mm-hmm. when they get to college and they race through things and don't actually, like, learn. And it was in this moment that it was kind of frustrating that she couldn't have a a female mentor. I agree. 
Like, I was just like, why is why does it have to be this guy totally. that has like this weird like back burner of like maybe he wants to fuck her right. thing? Right. Like, why couldn't it be like season two when she went she went to like yeah. see that successful businesswoman? Yeah. You know, Laura, what's her name? yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and like you know, really took a lot away from that. Like, I mean, I just think that like just one of my problems I have with Joey is that she respects males' opinion more than females, mm. and like that is part of her journey and her struggle. You know. Mm. And like we don't we haven't really seen her like really respect that many female like, you know, mentor type characters yet. And then like the show just introduces this like guy guy that we're supposed to think is like a hot professor that wants to fuck her. Maybe. And then is like still giving her life advice. Right. Yeah. Because so, you know, he's like she thanks him for choosing her. Like she's like, you know, I felt insecure, but I really appreciate you choosing me. And then she asks, who the hell is Derrida anyway? Mm-hmm. And Wilder says, if literature were the Star Wars universe, he would be the Darth Maul. So here's my lesson on Derrida, <laughs> because I think it's really interesting in the context of our podcast, actually. Mm. So Jacques Derrida, mid-century, mid-19th century, nope, 20th century mm-hmm. um, philosopher, he invented the theory of deconstruction and postmodernism. Mm-hmm. So, or he didn't invent postmodernism. He invented deconstruction. It's uh-huh. part of postmodernism. Uh-huh. His basic premise is that we actually can't get true meaning out of words because words will never convey the full meaning of something. Mm -hmm. They're always symbolic and therefore always up for interpretation. Mm -hmm. And so here's what we do every week. I know. We interpret a TV show and we don't, there's no one true meaning. Exactly. So I just thought that was funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought that I, I, um, I, um, want to just say that this is a beast to read it's one of those texts Mm -hmm. that on grammatology is this like big book and Mm -hmm. it's one of those texts that like you read a sentence and you're like i know the definition of every single word in the sentence i have no fucking clue what the sentence just said that's funny yeah totally jules and i took a class together oh wow where we had to read it (laughs) i remember us looking at each other sometimes at like 3 a.m being like what the fuck yeah (laughs) anyway yeah, and Professor Wilder is like, you know, people just in college feel insecure because, like, everyone else knows so much and, like, they rush through to catch up and, mm-hmm. like, but, like, they don't know that the discomfort is part of the experience, you know? And I, I think that, like, you know, this is a good lesson for Joey. Totally. Is that, like, being uncomfortable is, like, part of the experience, you know? It's a lesson for white people, mm-hmm. straight people, mm-hmm. cis people. Totally. You know, men. Rich people, yep. yeah. Rich people, yeah. You know, and it's like, if you can, f- and he's like, if you can feel comfortable not knowing, you can learn anything, mm-hmm. you know? And like, and if not, you stop before you've begun. Right. And like, that is so true. Yep. Life it's lesson. so true, yep. yeah. So then we go to Dawson's Jeep. He gets in it and he hears Jen on the radio. Yeah, it's so cute that he's like, he really does listen yeah, to her show. Yeah, he listens to her radio show. Yeah. And she dedicates, she's like, I've taken a bunch of requests mm-hmm. tonight and now I'm going to dedicate a song to a very old friend who has seen me at my best and at my worst. And one night at Mercer Pond got a pretty good view of me and nothing at all. And my heart, like Jen's voice is so soft. I in know. This and you want to take a stab at what song was cut from this? Oh gosh, what song? It's a doozy. REM's Night Swim. Oh my God, is Which that is what they play in over the sea? That's what's supposed. That's what she, the song she dedicates to him. No, but is that what they play in yeah. that scene Not in season in two? Oh no. Okay. But um, 
but she dedicates Night Swimming, which uh-huh. is what they were doing, to Dawson, which is a perfect, yeah. a perfect song. And just like the kind of melancholy driving song that one just must simply listen to sometimes uh-huh. and stare out the <laughs> totally. window as yeah. driving. Yeah. Like it's so perfect and beautiful. I, I listened to it quite a few times when I was like doing my uh-huh. notes. Cool. Oh my God, it's such a great song. Yeah, and so then we kind of see like, Dawson remembering that yeah, night of them skimmy dipping and yeah. like it's really cool because like we've talked about like this scene particularly like how yeah. you know like kind of in a negative way um but it, you know in in his memory of it he's just like having the best time and it was like a a really pivotal moment in his life I think and she's having the best time yeah. too and you see we kind of cut between them now mm-hmm. and these two young like you know what are they sophomores in high school at that point yeah I think. Yeah, yeah like like skinny dipping and like kind of having fun together and even though that night was a little bit awkward maybe like I feel like it's kind of this weirdly like profound pontification on memory where they yeah. like the awkwardness is gone and totally. they just remember what a great time it was. Yeah. And, that, like, and like how much they've shared together mm-hmm. and like how their friendship and relationship has grown. Because in that moment, that was when they were like, maybe going to fuck, you know? Right, right, right. I mean, even in that scene, he she was like too far and they yeah. had like this like kind of sensitive moment. But, you know, yeah, you kind of like get, yeah, like this idea of like, Man, we've had some good times yeah. together. Like that's yeah, like totally. kind of the takeaway. Totally. So then we go to Joey and Audrey's dorm room. They're both lying in their beds and they're talking about how Joey got the idea from Audrey's tape. Mm-hmm. And Audrey's like, I'm so like getting you in with this teacher, which mm-hmm. like Audrey girl. Calm I know, down. yeah. And like he was impressed and he thinks you're special. And Joey's like really not into it. Yeah. But then I know Audrey turns off the light and we see Joey like kind of smile and maybe think about him and just thanks. I hate it. I know. I hate couldn't it. agree more. It's just so stupid. Well, and it just ruins it. I mean, like, that's the thing. And I think I like what you're saying about like, I wish you had a female mentor. Like, mm-hmm. I feel it that way, too, because like what I would really like and the story that I would really like to see from Joey. And I think it's so interesting, this imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. like, like, particularly as a girl who like grew up poor poor, and like didn't go to boarding school or like you know didn't go to choat or whatever Mm -hmm. sorry to everyone in new york i probably said that wrong (laughs) um but like didn't go to these like big prep schools that Mm -hmm. like you know funnel you into the ivy leagues yeah like that she really like that's a struggle that's without a doubt yeah totally like and like thinking about joey like and thinking about Joey and code switching, mm-hmm. I mean, we like, you know, luckily this season we have so far one black person, Afro-Latina person mm-hmm. on the show. But like, I mean, yeah, her race gets mentioned once. I know. <laughs> um, and like, I, that's I, I like that. And also, I don't I know, like that. I know what you mean. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah I, totally. I feel mixed about it. But also like, you know, so Joey is the closest person we have to like someone who's disenfranchised in some way yeah. sort of like you know joey and pacey yeah. and so it's like you know to watch her to watch her have to code switch yeah. you know and i guess that's what i mean maybe not maybe disenfranchised is the wrong word but like someone who has to be in a space that they're not necessarily comfortable in and mm-hmm. thus has to code switch or yeah, feels yeah, the need yeah. to code switch I think that's fascinating totally no i i just think this would have been an interesting storyline that we could have been already having totally you know much similar to Dawson and have it be like they both feel insecure in these 
places that they were driven and thought that they wanted to do and thought that they belonged and that would be different once they got there. And then once they were there, they were kind of like realizing that they like had no idea what what it it would be like and Mm -hmm. what it meant, you know. And it would just be like so interesting instead of having to sit through the slog of like, what is going on? What is happening? Yeah, can someone please can someone take these two people off my screen? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and appreciate that you've done so in this. Episode. Yes, love Thank it. You so Thank much. you so much. Yeah. Um. So we cut then to Pacey knocking on Karen's apartment door, and he brought her a sample platter of the menu. Yeah, which is sweet. He's like, anytime someone shows up with food at my front door, like, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, totally. And he's just like, oh, it's my turn to come visit you. And like, you know, he's like, I love someone I can save. <laughs> like, you know, he yeah. just loves that. Yeah. And um, she thanks him for being there. And he, she kind of like reveals to him, like, I guess I got the vibe in this moment that like Pacey in a, in a way was right, that she like kind of doesn't have that many friends. It's just only yeah. insofar as like friends to talk to to about Danny because I imagine all her friends are like girl I'm not listening to this you need to break yeah, up yeah. with this ass like we've already listened we're to done it. with this yeah, yeah. like you we can be friends but I'm not talking to you about this yeah. you know so that's kind of the vibe I got but yeah. like whatever and um you know and she just is like I can't believe he kissed me in front of every- kissed her in front of yeah everyone. kissed her his wife in front of everyone like I wasn't there and like you know like I feel for her but I also can be that friend that's like that's what what did you think he's trash he's trash like yeah yeah you know so on the other hand I'm like he's trash what the fuck do you expect you know like oh my gosh like not to make this about Danny because I do think he's trash but like from his perspective if we want to like put a little bit of a point on it like this is the restaurant that they're celebrating that nearly broke up their marriage. Mm-hmm. So, like, of course he's being extra sweet with his wife. Right, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah totally. Duh. So, um, I mean, he's trash. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. But, like, it does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then she leaks says that she's embarrassed that she's a woman with a self-destructive dating pattern. And I'm like, yeah, girl, I mean, we've all been there. Join the club. Yeah. And she's like, she does, she does know. She's like, I know I need to end it. It's yeah. obvious he's not going to leave her. And it's, like, not going anywhere, you know? know and he's like well then just pacey's like well then just change it and she's like what does that mean it's like yeah pacey what the fuck does that mean you know and and he's like to what to him you know like what do you mean what's going like change what and then we hear the phone ringing uh-huh. And the answering machine picks up, and it's Oof. Danny leaving a message. God, this just doesn't happen anymore. I know, but he's trash. I- agreed. Woo. Agreed. Because this message is garbage. <laughs> I was getting heated. I know. Because he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that my life is so complicated, and that I'm sorry that you're stuck in the middle. And <laughs> like, of course, like you want to punch me right now, and you have every right to. This is like, this is toxic relationship shit yeah. 101. Yeah, you can see why she's caught up in this because he's totally yeah. just fucking with her head. Totally. He's like, you have every right to be mad at me that I've made you the other woman when you weren't that to begin with when yeah. we started this relationship, but then I made you that. Yeah. And I'm lying to my wife about you, even though we had a legitimate relationship before this. Yeah. And he's like, but I love you love in ways you. big and small. And like, as she's listening, Pacey just walks out the door. Yeah, Pacey just looks at her and he just leaves. And, and we she see her like phone. go and pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So Dawson comes home and Gail's sitting on the couch and she's like, hey, you've got mail. Yeah. And Dawson opens up this envelope and he's like, 
I won a film festival in New Hampshire. <laughs> and he's like, that's weird because I didn't apply submit. or submit to a film festival. Yeah. And Gail's like, oh, honey, your dad must have done it. <laughs> I mean, sweet, sweet gesture, but also, okay. <laughs> okay. This is a this is a story that uh, one could tell. Fine. And she's like, he always believed in you. He always mm. like was your biggest fan, you know? I honestly like the just the fact that he submitted, I did I got like choked up. Oh. I was like I mean I get it's like stupid. It's, but yeah. I was like <laughs> Well, this scene is so like I don't It's weird but sweet. Like cried. Yeah, because me too. Dawson finally gets the courage to tell his mom. He's like, I'm not going to go back to USC. Uh And like, good for him. You know, last time he told his parents, it didn't go well. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, not, and I'm not even talking about Mitch dying. I'm talking about like Mitch erupting in, you know, anger Anger. about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And she quickly is like, okay. Yeah, fine. She's like, I don't want you to do something that would make you unhappy just to like try to prove something to your dead father. Right. Like I, I don't need that. Like, you know, and she basically confirms what Dr. Weir says, which is that like the only reason he was so set on you going was like, he didn't, he wasn't ready to give up this dream. Mm -hmm. And Gail's like, you know, look, you had your reasons. He would have come around eventually. Yeah. And then (laughs) this is so real. Dawson's like, I just miss him. (laughs) I was bawling. A little tear popped out. Yeah. He just like, his acting is so good in this. Yeah. Like, it's really interesting. I just think maybe him and Katie Holmes don't have chemistry. They don't have. Yeah. Or like they bring out the worst in each other. Like their acting styles like I also escalate think, like, the anger and escalate the like right. what is going on, you know? I also think that like you put them next to Katie Holmes and Josh Jackson or Vanderbeek and Williams. And well, I mean, look at him with Mary Beth you know mary margaret humes Mm -hmm. you know like it's just like i i don't i i do agree that there is a certain different caliber but also like i just think like you can see him with any other actor yeah yeah. and like the it the chemistry just wasn't it just like tones down his anger yeah if we ever talk to kevin williamson let's talk about let's ask about chem reads yeah yeah totally i have questions about chem reads i know we don't have to give away why we're asking i know (laughs) if they did them um because like they just have this lovely conversation about like the ridiculousness of mitch and the real mitch it's so sweet dawson's just like i miss him and gail's like me too Mm -hmm. and she's like he could and dawson's like he could be so and gail's like i know he couldn't even make a fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwich without getting jelly in the peanut butter right (laughs) which is just like it's so cute it's like those like old married couple like little quirks that just don't matter that drive you crazy and also it's it's so real Mm -hmm. about like when you are experiencing grief the Mm -hmm. things you actually experience grief over yes totally i mean legitimately i was telling aaron before we started recording my my team is the san francisco giants and and as of this recording they're tied for first place with the Mm -hmm. dodgers and my first reaction was like sadness because i didn't get to like call my dad and talk about it right totally 
And it's the first time they've done well that I didn't get to call him and talk about it. And like, there's, you know, those things just come and go and like, you just kind of have to deal with them. Mm -hmm. But you know, this is where it ends. We fade to black out on them kind of like laughing and having this nice moment together. And Dawson's just like, I loved him. Mm -hmm. And Gail's just like, me too. And she leans on Dawson and they just sit in front of the fire. And it's like, it's so cute. It's it's great. You know? Mm -hmm. And like, like, I just feel for Dawson. I also think the way they've written this story of his grief is, like, feels really authentic and it, it moves along and, like, yeah. you're there with him the whole time, yeah. you know? And, like, even the way in which you can see him being, like, Joey's my friend, I love her, but, like, she's extra right now, yeah. you know? Like, can't be you don't her. even feel mad when, like, in last episode when he's just, like, I don't want to stay with you. (laughs) Like you feel you're there with him, you know? Totally. And like, you can watch how like he's finding this space with like Jen and like with other people, like this therapist and even his mom, you know, Um, it it makes sense. Totally. So who are you rooting for? I'm rooting for Dawson. Yeah. I'm rooting for Jen. And Gail. And Gail. I mean, I'm rooting for Joey. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and Audrey. Girl, go to Ibiza. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I know. They give her really weird storylines. Absolutely. But she makes, fucking, she makes fucking gold out of them. Yeah. Um, and like she's like forcing Joey to be a good person to her. And yeah. like, you know, so I, I like that, I guess, yeah. you know. I mean, I guess the only person I'm not like totally on board with is Pacey. Mm-hmm. It's not. and But I think this episode was like kind of fascinating for him. Yeah. Like, as much as I, like, don't think that he was behaving the best, I think his intentions are kind of... mm. Well, I mean, it's super interesting to watch him as someone who is, like, he can, you know, have a morality and he always... And it's not always, like, this very strict, like, patriarchal morality. Yes. But he does have, like, a moral compass and he is, like, you know, for the most part, the moral compass of the show. So, like, when you watch him of this where it's, like... Ooh, where is the moral compass in this scenario? Because like both Danny and Karen and Elizabeth, like all these people are being fucked up. Yeah, Emily. And Emily, sorry, yeah. They're all being fucked up. They're also Emily's all fine. Be- well, Emily we doesn't, don't we don't know. Maybe don't she's know. being fucked up. Yeah, we don't totally. know. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because fine. like you know, like if 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 Danny was in an open relation, like if he was vocal about his relationship with Karen when he was, you know, his wife left and she she would probably know about Mm. it you know so anyways i don't know they're all being like this is a weird situation (laughs) totally they're all you know danny's trash karen i feel bad for her but i also think she's being a little trash too you know so like you know the only person we know that's like absolute garbage is danny Mm -hmm. um but everyone else is being like shady to different degrees and because we don't really know what's going on you can see how pacey's like uh my brain's short-circuiting and like that's part of his journey as like an 18 year old of like you know like what is the right like what is going on here you know and so that's i agree with you i can't root for him but i I do find this story like compelling compelling you know Mm -hmm. like you wish he could be a little bit more in the fold but like maybe hanging out with jack but like i also like that how they're telling this story of like he's on his own journey like this Mm -hmm. is his college yep you know danny is his professor wilder like that kind of stuff is interesting you know yeah so i don't know totally all right for a listener corner this is from anna Mm. 
I started watching Dawson's Creek in my gap year. I'm English. Between leaving school and going to university, and I loved it. My love for Pacey has never died, and he was the kid who I felt most um, affiliated with. Whilst my childhood was more like Andy and Jack's privilege and Dawson's stability, Pacey was my spirit animal. (laughs) We're not supposed to say that. (laughs) I failed school. I only got into university due to my personal statement, which apparently made people laugh. It was three years on a path I never should have been on. And when I finally left, I burned the bridges, leaving everything of my past behind. I envied Pacey and probably still do for getting on that boat. Anyway, season five was hard for me and probably my least favorite, but listening and watching with you has made me appreciate it more. Watching Dawson struggle with leaving the college, leaving college when I spent my entire university life thinking I had made a huge mistake also is hard viewing. Mm-hmm. Mitch's death still makes me cry to this day, and he, as he was the only decent father figure any of them had. Um. Okay, being an English girl, I have a few questions. Mm -hmm. Here in the UK, when a parent dies, leaving another, everything is left to the living adult with no taxes. Other than perhaps the request of bequeathed items, all funds transferred to the surviving parent. So I don't understand why Lily not being in the will is such an issue, as long as Gail alters hers for the future. It's like they're making a stupid issue for Dawson to be mad at. (laughs) true yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i think like i think what aaron's explanation was for it is like that seems like the most logical to me Mm -hmm. because i'm with you anna it's like it doesn't make sense yeah i also don't even know like i guess i get why dawson's mad because he's just like totally spinning and he would be mad at anything you know so like i don't even think he's really mad about that but like it is a weird storyline where like I, I think even the first time I saw it, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, Gail would get everything. And, like, Mitch wasn't the breadwinner. Totally. So, totally. like, it's hard to know, like, what finances would have been his. Yeah. And so I, the only finance, like, in the U.S., like, the only thing that you can keep separate is your own personal inheritance. So right. if, like, your parents die that doesn't become common property with your partner right that is your property so i think that's like what maybe is going on right but that's the only way it could be that's the only logical Mm -hmm. way that that works because otherwise it's the same yeah i mean you know gail would just continue she She already owned the house right yeah it's all in her name too yeah so it's like it it's just like he gets taken off some of the stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and like but that doesn't have any bearing on taxation or anything like that he just gets taken off some of it yeah and also like his heirs are still his heirs and well and she can change the will yeah she can change her will totally so yeah I mean, I guess that's why we're supposed to think Gail's like, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but the she... initial argument still like doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I think even when we're kids, we're like, that doesn't make any sense. I think only w- watching it now as an adult, I was like, okay, I guess now I finally see Mitch was super rich because he never worked and he had all these like dreams yeah. of opening a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, I can see Mitch as a rich kid. Totally. Totally checks out mm. and we know his dad died he never got to ask he never got to yeah. ask <laughs> what he does if his wife cheats on him yeah 
Okay. All right. Listeners, <laughs> ask your dad that before he dies, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> you might regret it. I also did not ask yeah. my father that. <laughs> what if my wife I, cheats on me? What should I do? I mean, I don't know that he would have an, uh, he would have had an answer. But <laughs> I don't think there is an answer. Nope. <laughs> I need to know more about this. Uh-huh. <laughs> what kind of cheat was it? How do you feel? Yeah. What do you want to do? Um, yeah. How'd they feel? Anyways. Are they into a thruple? I know. Like, what <laughs> what do you want out of this? <laughs> Okay, and for our not a girl, not yet a woman, not a woman, not yet a not a girl, not yet a woman, not a hashtag free Britney. Yeah, not a girl, not yet a woman, hashtag free Britney. This is from Louise. Hey, Julia and Aaron, I wanted to add my experience of feeling like a woman as opposed to a girl. Despite being 38 years old and a married mother of three, foster parent to two, with all the trappings of adulthood, I still don't feel grown up. I fully agree with Aaron, what Aaron said a few episodes ago, that adulthood is a construct to keep us striving for the thing that will finally make us feel like we've achieved grown-up status. A couple of years ago at an office party, one of my younger colleagues told me that she always thought once you were in your 30s and married, you had to act like an adult. (laughs) That was until she met me and our other colleague, a gay guy the same age as me, and realized that we were utter (laughs) fuck-ups. bumbling through life and we quote don't even have wrinkles <laughs> i was like my work here is done <laughs> yeah totally i i listened to a film podcast called um i saw what you did uh-huh and they were reading a listener email and the the they're they're maybe they're maybe like five years older than us or okay. so and they were like the listener called them like middle-aged angry middle-aged women but like as a compliment uh-huh. like was, was yeah, like yeah. very yeah, yeah, yeah loved that yeah. and they were like you don't get to assign middle-aged I know. <laughs> and I started laughing so hard and but I was like but yeah like it's funny and I I, I don't know I have a few thoughts going on one mm-hmm. of which is that like age has changed so mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. in the past like 30 years like when you look at like um not Gilmore Girls the Golden Girls uh-huh. like those like my mom is older than them oh, and like okay. there's no way like my mother does not look yeah, yeah, yeah old yeah. at like yeah. like the Golden Girls look totally even though like they were supposed to be like approximately the same age oh really so they were like in their sixties they might have even been in their fifties really yeah 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 wow. I mean like somebody please correct me I don't yeah, exactly yeah. know yeah I mean, but um but anyway but it's like. Yeah. When you actually realize what age they're supposed to be is like kind of fucking shocking. Right, yeah. like, Holy shit, really? Right, yeah. And I think, so I think there's that part of it, right? Where it's like age just has changed, right? We're mm-hmm. not having kids as young. Like on the whole, we're not having kids as young. We're like taking longer right. to like establish ourselves. And like that's partially well, systemic that's- failures, yeah, and also, also personal decisions. Yeah, and and I think in a way it's about values, like women, yeah. um, you know, taking up more space because like men are allowed to be old and age, and women like aren't, you know, right, right. And so like as women take up more space and and are more represented just in what we see, we're like, oh wow she's like whatever age, you know, mm-hmm. we're supposed to think that's over the hill, like you know, even like this whole narrative about turning 30 like everyone feels it you're like oh I'm so old and you know at the time you're like oh my gosh and like people like ask you like how what how does it feel or whatever and you know I've always looked a little bit younger and some people would always be like you're 30 and it's just like well 
I don't know. Is that a compliment or not? Like, are you saying I act immature or yeah, like yeah, what yeah. it was or like I look young and yeah. like, what does that even mean? I remember asking people all the time. I was like, what does that mean yeah. that I look young? Yeah. Like, what what do you mean? Um, and so, like, I definitely think that's interesting. Well, and now we're staring down the barrel of 40. Yeah. And like, there's a way in which that panic is starting to come back a little bit for mm. me. Like, I do think when I hit the like the next decade age Mm -hmm. like I do get a bit of like a holy Mm -hmm. shit okay right but then like what I learned at 30 Mm -hmm. is that like the next day I woke up and was like meh whatever right (laughs) I mean I just felt like when I turned 30 I was like everyone takes you seriously (laughs) like this is amazing you don't have to like worry about stupid shit like you're instantly taken more seriously like professionally and in, in a lot of in a lot of other ways sure and then also like you just like you are like okay I don't care about a lot of stuff that like felt things like a pressure to, yeah, to care about to slough off yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean I feel excited to turn 40 but um I don't know I do too but I always take stock mm. at like those big moments kind of yeah and that's always like a little nerve-wracking mm. of like and what does that mean right. to take stock and what is what right. what do I like what do I care about and what do I yeah and those things change and yeah I have anxiety before every birthday just like wow a year happened <laughs> okay <we> wow <laughs> what like you know totally. and you're just like whoa it like just like the passing the reminder of how time passes can feel like really like a lot to process you know because you don't think about on the daily and then on your birthday you're like okay Okay. wow another year has gone wow I hadn't really thought about that you know it's super fascinating um but I sorry but I also think I want to say like about when you feel like a mm grown-up I also think that there are like that it's such a sloggy process like Mm -hmm. it's and I don't think I mean I think the the definitive answer is nobody ever feels like a Mm grown-up but like there's this part of me that like looks at sometimes I catch myself in a moment where I'm like, what you're doing right now is actually pretty grown up Mm -hmm. and what you're having to like go through or Mm -hmm. put up with or (laughs) deal with or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like that's pretty grown up. Mm. So you think it's a personal definition of grown up? I don't know. I think I I have moments Mm -hmm. where I like feel myself have to be a really adult about something, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, and and sometimes well, do you it's think when... there's a difference between a doll and grown up? No. Hmm. And and I think sometimes it's when it's when like I can feel a like part of me that wants to to like act out or like mm. that wants to do something kind of like petty or younger, like you know, something right. that like my younger self would have done. Right. And I like stop myself mm-hmm. and like I'm like no you don't yeah. need to do that like that's not like help this situation you could do that but this is what will happen yeah. and like that you don't want to deal with yeah yeah yeah, and yeah. maybe that's maturity right maybe that's uh, you know I yeah, know. yeah but it that's when it, those are the moments when I feel more adult or more right yeah interesting mm. yeah I don't know it's like one of those things where I'm like um never feel like an adult but then I will it just depends on who you're with I think you know and I I ultimately think it does just boil down to age it's like if you're with younger people they'll think you're an adult oh my god and if you're with older people you'll feel like a kid yeah you know and so like I I do I'm like I don't know it doesn't matter (laughs) you know it's so interesting it doesn't but it's interesting and I think like you know going back to sort of what we were 
thinking about with this segment of like when does womanhood start mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. is like I think that's the gendered part of that mm-hmm. and not to not to leave people who don't fall within a binary out yeah um you know I think I think coming into one's gender whatever that gender mm-hmm. may be is you know something that I think like certain people have to think about more than others. Mm. Um, And I also think that there's like a way in which becoming a woman, there's like such a, like there's, it feels so weighty Mm -hmm. and like kind of gross. Mm -hmm. That idea. (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. Like to me, it always sounds like becoming a woman is something that a man determines you are. Yeah. You know, like you know, either they fucked you and you're a woman now or like, you know, you had a kid with them and you're a woman now Mm -hmm. or you married them and you're a woman now or like whatever. You got a period and and thus are of breeding material. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like all of the the things, the markers that might make you a woman are things that are to service a man you know yeah and like you know I've said it before but like I just don't know if I necessarily like really call people women or like classify them as that or if I would classify myself as that like in just like conversationally so that's why it does Mm -hmm. feel so interesting to me it's like well what does that mean you know and then like we talked at the beginning of this episode like there's this narrative that there's attack an attack on women's rights right now Mm -hmm. and like we've said you don't have to have a uterus to be a woman and mm-hmm. some men have uteruses. So mm-hmm. like this attack right now is on human rights. Yeah. But what we're seeing is the only people that are like outraged and really talking about it mm-hmm. are female and identifying. Yeah. And know? queer people. And mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like the loudest voices are like, you know, to, <laughs> to be honest from what I'm seeing are like, only women you know Mm -hmm. and so we can see how this term is used as a weapon of like oh no that's a woman's issue and we're men so we get to decide who is a woman and we're going to then relegate this issue that affects all of humanity and make it a quote woman's issue so Mm -hmm. you don't have to think about it if you're not a quote woman and we're going to identify who is a woman too Mm -hmm. you know I do know yeah 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 and I think like I don't know. I I am, as we're talking right now, I'm very unhappy that the idea of womanhood is so closely related seemingly with childbearing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny because like, I am the kind of person who like, I have to stop myself from calling everyone a girl. Mm. And I'm like, I like make a very like, like, I'll be like, oh, that girl, I like that girl. And then I'll be like, no, 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 she's a woman. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, in my head, I'll be like, I like that woman. Mm-hmm. Or like, this this girl I work with, you know, I'll say mm-hmm. something like that. And then I like stop myself and be like, this woman I work with. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And so there's a part of me that's like, clearly there's something there. I don't, I don't have a, any, yeah. I'm like going to think about this more. But like, mm-hmm. there's clearly something there of like, when we use these terms. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. These are women's issues, not girls' issues. Mm-hmm you know, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and so when do we employ this term and how does it differ from like thinking about being an adult? Right. Cause I do think it does. I mean, that yeah. g- the gendering of that term mm-hmm. really like shifts the meaning. Yeah. And 
and there's discomfort there to be quite honest and yeah. like why is that and and where does that come from and where do we go with it mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more <laughs> yeah so. it's you know it's a wild time to be alive for quote women's rights <laughs> you know and Honestly, this affects like every single person alive today. And if you want to believe it's just a woman's issue, then like you're actually like hurting yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a man or a male identifier, you know, or even if you only think it's a woman's issue and you're a woman, you're hurting yourself too. Um, This like literally affects everyone. Um, And it's super haunting. And to, I don't know, to our international listeners, we just have some things going on in one of the states of texas where like now you can like have a bounty of up to ten thousand dollars if you give you rat out someone that maybe had an abortion after six weeks so that's what texas is spending money on instead of saying i don't know fixing their power grid yeah which killed hundreds of people this winter mm-hmm. and is poised to do so again next winter or next summer or next summer or both <laughs> so hurricane season isn't over <laughs> <laughs> i mean new york is literally flooded right now because i of mean it. parts of louisiana aren't going to get power for a month mm-hmm. we're doing great over here guys yeah okay yeah, I mean, it's like climate change is real. <laughs> yeah. It's happening all over the world. You know, it's like daunting to keep our, like, you know, keep your head straight. And like, as we're like being so overwhelmed by all of these things that are happening, mm-hmm. we're watching white men take our whites away. Mm-hmm. Gripping on to the power that they have mm-hmm. to try to. Um, and it's like really haunting because you're like. It. Heads up, white supremacy isn't going to stop climate change, just to be real. Yeah. White supremacy will not save you, to be real. (laughs) Well, and to be real, uh, the anti-abortion stance is a white supremacist stance. Mm -hmm. The people who are affected the most are poor. Uh, In this country, sometimes that goes hand in hand with being a person of color Mm -hmm. also you know black women have been at the receiving end of this kind of violence since they were brought over on slave ships to this country so yeah if you're a black new mother you're seven times more likely to die than a white new mother in california like a black new mother in texas is seven times more likely to die than a white new mother Mm. in california like so forcing someone to have a baby under those circumstances, what do you think is going to happen? Yep. You know, it's like fucked up. <sighs> yeah. So what a time to be alive. We're here with you sharing outrage <laughs> and utter disbelief. And, you know, it feels haunting. But in these moments, like, you know, we just know that we we already have the answers. Mm-hmm. The answer is to end white supremacy, to yep dismantle the patriarchy to defund the police which are agents of white supremacy mm-hmm. to like just we have the answers we don't need to find them anymore right <laughs> they're there yep and so just like hold on to that <laughs> we don't need to serve we don't know it's not that we don't know what to do we actually do and that that there is a there's comfort in comfort that. and a power to that mm-hmm. it's like you know in the U.S., the Republicans are a party of no. And, you know, well, we have the answers. Yep. It's and better than to be a hateful person that only knows how to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's no solutions. 
to that. And we've seen that time and time again. It's like, okay, we're going to end Obamacare and then do what? <laughs> well, nothing. We're going to keep Obamacare, actually. Right. So, because everyone actually kind of likes it. Yeah, well, we didn't have a solution. So, mm. you know, like, okay, Obamacare is weird, but like, there's no other option. Kept me insured for a decade. Yeah, but it's just like, can we get free for everyone? But anyways. Totally. <laughs> another day. Maybe we'll talk more on our Patreon about this. So with that, we just want to thank you all for being here. We mm-hmm. hope you're staying safe in, in more ways than one, you know, just mind, body, and soul. Mm. Um, you know, and we're, we're just sending you a little hug from over from, here. From Santa Monica, California. Yeah. <laughs> so defund the police, um, Black Lives Matter, Stop Asian Hate, End Line 3, Respect Our Treaties, um, get the vaccines everywhere. Mm-hmm. Anyone. Anyone wants it, give it to them. Yep. Just take it. Let's do that. You know, Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Dawson's Critique. You can email us Dawson's Critique at gmail.com. We want to shout out our boy Kilia for making our theme song. You can find him on Instagram at go freaking crazy. You can follow my Finsta at Aaron.Hensley. We have merch. We got some new merch out there. You saw it, right? <laughs> I, yep, I did. I bought some. <laughs> so we've got some new merch up there, bit.ly slash Dawson's Critique, and we've got some more coming. I don't know. I don't have a job right now, so I'm not so- sorry, but like, it's just coming. Whatever. <laughs> maybe you'll find something you like, or maybe you won't, but email me if you want something made too. Um, we have a Patreon now, so you can find us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Dawson's Critique. And as always, you can order our book. I remember everything life lessons from Dawson's Creek available wherever you get your books. Let's give a shout out this week to, um, Bainbridge Island books. Uh, that last time. Oh, fuck. Did I? I think so. Let's give a shout out this week to Bloomsbury Books in Ashland, Oregon. Okay. Um, they're a great bookstore. And if you don't know Ashland, they've got a great Shakespeare festival. So uh, <laughs> totally, it's a cool little town. Cool <laughs> little town. Uh, please like, like us, subscribe, write a review wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thank you so much of those. Thank you so much to those of you who have. That was hard to say. I don't know it's why. The beer. It's the beer. It's my second beer. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Becoming a lush. Um, and uh, we really appreciate those of you who have. Thank you so much. It helps us immensely. <coughs> Sorry. I was trying to hold that in. You can find me online at Pesty1079 on Twitter or Instagram. Um, And we'd like to thank you for being here with us. We love you. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 